Hello, welcome to today's episode of COVID in our communities. Hannah Broderick and I interviewed people in our separate communities around Ohio and have learned how it is impacting individual communities, families, and our neighbors. Hello, this is Hannah Reeves and I will be interviewing my dad who works at a nursing home about how COVID affected him. Hello, my name is Wesley Reeves. I, uh, I wonder how uh, the virus affected me is how, um, uh, how it affected me really was at work. Um, just, I work at a senior living community. Um, especially when everybody has to wear masks, even the residents. And, and when we did get a little bit COVID into the building, um, how we had a, uh, put everybody, a lot of residents, we had them on lockdown to stay in their rooms. And uh, I don't think we actually had anybody pass away from it, but there was about eight, maybe eight total residents that got COVID, but they all got through it. Um, we're still on kind of a small, medium lockdown right now. Um, um, but it's starting to get shortly released. Family members are starting to come in. It's getting a lot better as the time passes on. Um, uh, um, home life-wise, the virus-wise, I've since it's been home, um, we couldn't get it, go out at, at first. Um, I got a lot of home projects done. Um, they also put me oh, at work in. They put me in charge of the temperature station that each morning, uh, 5.30 in the morning, I take a temperatures as a, employees come to work and they take their temperature going out. So we make sure everybody stays, uh, nobody's running a temperature uh, as they come in or out of the building. That's done every day. Um, so far, no nobody has uh, ran a temperature on our watch. So we've, we disinfect our building every day and try to keep the place as clean as possible for our residents for, and for their safety. That's the biggest uh, thing I think going through this virus is what we experienced. Hi, I'm Caroline and next up we will be hearing from Dr. Harold Diamond. He is our neighbor across the street and um, he celebrated his 98th birthday during quarantine. They weren't sure exactly what to do, and no one had any idea what was coming. But um, actually, the quarantine did not affect me personally in any particularly bad way, with one exception. The orchestra that I have could no longer practice, and so it's been many months. Let's see eight or nine months since we have practiced. <clears throat> and uh, actually, because we haven't practiced, I haven't myself played the trombone at, for those many, many months. And by now, I'll bet my embouchure is incapable of playing anywhere near what I should be able to do. Uh, as a matter of fact, not only my orchestra, but I asked my son to find out from his computer how many orchestras the country has, 
And the answer he got back was there are about 12,000 orchestras. And you can imagine some of these orchestras have 100 to 120 people in them. That means there are many thousands of musicians who are out of work, who are not able to earn a living. It is affecting their careers. And so that's the main thing that has affected me because having lost my wife last year in November, I have been living all by myself and doing the shopping for myself and taking care of myself. So it really hasn't been much of a, a problem for me, but I, I can tell you it has been a problem for many people. Uh, I don't know how married people are handling it. Uh, I'm sure it's very difficult for them. But personally, the quarantine has not, not bothered me. I have not had any tests. Uh, I go to my veterans um, hospital for hearing. I got new hearing aids now, new glasses. Uh, whenever I I don't take many medications because I have a very stringent Mediterranean type diet, which means fruit in the morning with a mixture of cereals, uh, in the evening vegetables and fish. No dairy, no soft drinks, uh, no sugar and salt. So uh, a mixture of nuts, which are excellent food. So I try to eat only those foods which uh, I know are good for me and stay away from those that are not. So my lifestyle hasn't changed. I'm still doing the things I used to do. Yeah. Did you have trouble finding some of those foods kind of once more and more people were hitting the grocery stores? and? Uh, at first, of course, there, was a sh there were shortages, but uh, they did not uh, affect me because being by myself, and we had the supplies here for my wife and I. She was incontinent, so we had a lot of, you know, material that I did not have to buy. So we we managed uh, the shortages very nicely. I have a cupboard that I have a lot of canned foods and stuff like that. So, yeah, we never experienced any problems uh, as to food or material shortages. Uh, other people with large families, uh, they did, I'm sure. But personally, I have been very fortunate. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know you like going to the library, and they've had that closed, so have you found other places to get some books? or? Well, I tell you what, the my my reading is quite limited because most of the stuff that I read has to do with uh, newsletters. Um, I subscribe to a number of different health newsletters, and uh, some of them are, a couple of them are financial letters. Uh, once in a while, someone will recommend a, a, a really good book. And so my re literary searches are, are limited. 
Alice, my wife, liked to do a lot of reading, and so I would go to the library and get books for her. But my reading is more or less restricted to... Hi, I'm Broderick Biesinger. I interviewed Bill Fitzpatrick, manager at Plain City Lanes Bowling and Pizza in Plain City, Ohio. It's a very small town, just a few thousand people, um, and it's such a small family-owned business in a small town. The coronavirus had a big impact on it, and it's it's a wonder that it's still around even to the, even now um, with the many hardships that were encountered. And Bill certainly knows a lot about small business. He's he's uh, managed the place for the last 15 years. I've personally worked with him for the past eight, and I thought it'd be good to get his his insight on uh, how coronavirus had an impact in a small community such as Plain City on a small family-owned business. So obviously, lives have changed for just about everybody in the past six months or so. Yes, they have. Um, what, what are some ways that the virus has impacted such a small family-owned business in ways that it might not affect you know, big corporations or other small businesses in different locations? Well, we had advantages and disadvantages being that we were small. Um, when everything uh, really started out around the 18th of March, I think it was, um, that's when the governor announced that they were closing down uh, dine-in restaurants and all that stuff, uh, entertainment centers and everything. Um, we uh, went ahead and closed the business for a couple of weeks. Uh, we were completely closed. We got some maintenance things done and stuff like that. You know, the uh, family that owns it did all that stuff. And for the uh, next two months, the owners and their family were pretty much the only people in here. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, staff was all laid off. Um, some of them applied for unemployment, some of them didn't. Um, but uh, everybody was laid off. The uh, family members that were working were ba- basically working in order to keep the business going. They weren't getting paid uh, in general. None of them got paid at all. Um, any tips that they received, they gave to the uh, teenagers that were helping out, which were also family members, um, just so that they had a couple of bucks in their pocket. Um, pretty much all the adults were... Uh, on a, you know, just doing it gratis, you know, volunteering your time. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a rough time for everybody. Um, you know, some people it took, uh, took longer to bring back, um, than others. I mean, some people we still haven't brought back, um, because we just don't need them yet. Um, some of the things that we did to keep the business afloat other than having the uh, family volunteer their time, where we came up with some ideas on uh, items to sell that uh, we normally didn't. And the first one was to sell dough balls and pizza kits, um, un- uncooked pizzas essentially, and dough balls that you could use to make bread or pizza crust or cinnamon rolls or any number of things. And uh, we worked up a set of instructions on how to use them and uh, how to make the different things 
and sold those over the counter to people uh, after we reopened in April. Um, we moved a freezer out of the kitchen that was in front of a window uh, that didn't have any other purpose and that window was converted into a pickup window and we were able to use that all through the uh, summer uh, months until we started having bowling again. Um, once we had bowling uh, again on the 10th of July, we had to bring the freezer back into the kitchen, so that cut off the use of the pickup window. But at that point, the worst of it was behind us, uh, hopefully, and we were able to uh, get a nice plexiglass shield across the customer counter mm -hmm. for the kitchen. And, um, you know, there's been a little incremental changes like that, adding the, the, the plexiglass shield across the customer counter. Now we have a plexiglass across the end of the bar, uh, putting in hand sanitizing stations throughout the, the place. Um, things like that have uh, definitely changed, you know. Um, the uh, products that we did besides dough balls uh, starting in April, we did the dough balls, we did pizza kits, um, we did cinnamon rolls, um, and we did uh, spaghetti dinners a couple of times. Um, and, you know, at the time, most people weren't able to get, like, yeast and flour and stuff, and we were able to scrounge around uh, through our suppliers and uh, stay supplied um, and, and provide those things to people. Um, because, you know, everybody was thinking, oh, man, I, I should stock up on this stuff. And mm -hmm. yeast and flour were some of the first things to go. Yeah. So uh, there was none of that available at the grocery store. You know, we had a little mini panic attack because we're doing this and we realized uh, one of the things we use in the dough is called dough conditioner. And it uh, basically it acts as a stabilizer and enhancer for the uh, yeast. And we were running out and we couldn't get it through our usual supplier. I ended up finding it on uh, through a restaurant equipment website. They had it, and it turned out to be cheaper and faster than it is through our normal supplier. So next time I need it, I'll probably be going through them again. Um, the uh, cinnamon rolls and the spaghetti and the dough balls and pizza kits were huge hits. Um, and we had some uh, corporate uh, entities, um, one of which was Target, and Target's distribution center down in West Jeff, um, ordered pizza kits for all of their associates, and over the course of a week, we made something like 750 pizza kits in one week. That's wow. a 20-ounce dough ball, a cup of sauce, a bag of cheese, and a bag of pepperoni for 750 people. They were, they were doing like 10, 12 batches of dough a day for like five days. <laughs> well, now that uh, we've kind of come to a new normal and operations are kind of regaining some momentum with uh, leagues on a rather nightly basis now, how do the day-to-day -day operations change um, how they used to be back when, before all this started and now? You know, you have a lot of things to comply with. Well, you know, because we're a restaurant, we already were doing, you know, more cleaning procedures than, say, a Walmart or Target department store. Um, 
and uh, you know we're just doing more of that and we're using different cleaners and before we would use a degreaser to clean the tables and stuff like that now we're using uh, a bleach spray so that we're actually sanitizing instead of just cleaning uh, getting uh, you know stains off and things like that now we're actually sanitizing the tables and chairs in between groups and things um, you know we're sanitizing the bowling balls which we never did before uh, obviously we were spraying shoes before we're doing that as still obviously um, we uh, now have uh, masks and gloves on everybody um, that goes out into the or masks on everybody that goes out in the customer areas because of our kitchen setup we don't have to wear a mask according to our local health department in the kitchen um, some of us do some of us don't um, we wear uh, gloves a lot more than we used to I mean, we were working on getting into the habit of gloves but it wasn't a requirement um, the guidance what we received from the health department gentleman about a month or so ago was that if we're doing items that are being cooked you don't have to wear gloves if you're doing stuff like salads and things that aren't being cooked you should all right all right well i appreciate your time um it's definitely nice to hear a little insight and how this virus has affected businesses like this and you know not every business nowadays is family owned and it's certainly going to affect those a lot more than it would <laughs> yeah. like your big big chains or something like that yeah and that, the the family pitching in like they did that was the biggest advantage we had being a small business because mm -hmm. we had people we could call on that would contribute and not expect anything in return in order for the business to hopefully stay afloat well well hopefully they don't have to experience anything like that in the near future or anywhere down the road and things can get even closer back to normal than they already are now I hope so all right well thanks for your time i appreciate it Well, that concludes our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening.